a desert planet with twin suns. They call themselves the Bad Batch. We do what we do. What else you got? Give me more! Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Liu. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for joining us for our very first Bad Batch Season 2 review and breakdown. We're going over Episodes 1 and 2 that just came out the other day, and I can't wait to talk to them uh, with y'all, or talk about them with y'all. So, without further ado, let's dive into I Have Spoken. I Have Spoken. So, like I said, both Episodes 1 and 2 of Bad Batch Season 2 released yesterday, and they were called Spoils of War and Ruins of War, respectively. And I'm just going to be breaking down both of them independently. And then I'm going to give my uh, theories on where the series is going next week after that. Um, each episode is going to start with my non-spoiler review, followed by my full spoiler review and breakdown. Um, and I'm going to split that up pretty distinctly so you know uh, what I'm talking about, just in case you've only watched one of the episodes or none of the episodes. So... My non-spoiler review for episode one is this season starts with a bang. We're thrown straight into the action right off the bat and reintroduced to the clones we know and love, following them on an eerie and nostalgic mission. Uh, That's about all that I feel like I can say without spoiling anything, so this is your official spoiler warning. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. That's it. Let's dive into our full spoiler breakdown. So, the opening was a tad bland for me. I don't know. All things considered, it was fun to see everyone again, but the random crab people weren't particularly thrilling. I, it was kind of cool to see Omega starting to get a little more of an involved role in missions, but like, come on, we could have we could have done more with that opening than we did. But it also makes sense because this is something that I didn't talk about in my uh, what to know before watching Bad Batch season two. At the end of season one, the Empire thinks that they're dead. So it wouldn't make too much sense to be in a super populated area doing jobs. It makes a lot more sense to be in sort of a remote area doing that sort of extraction. So in that way, it makes sense. But at the same time, it's like, ah, bleh, whatever. We go back to Ord Mantel and Sid's bar where we see that AZ3 is a bartender. We know that he escaped Camino with the Bad Batch at the end of the last season. The Ithorian and Weakway are still there. They were... Uh, introduced in the Clone Wars very briefly in the Ahsoka arc of the last season, and then they've been regulars at Sid's Bar ever since we've gone there. Fee, Fee Giona. I don't know. She seems kind of needlessly mysterious. We'll see how she gets developed later on, but like it was almost kind of unnerving where it was just like, okay, you're trying to build suspense with this character that I do not care about. But I don't know. She seems like she will play some sort of role later, and she has some sort of interest in Dooku's war chest, which we'll talk about here in a sec. Um, but that's the Bad Batch's next mission, is to go to Sereno, which is Count Dooku's homeworld. He was the Count of Sereno. And get a portion of Dooku's war chest, because Dooku's castle is being raided by the Empire for its valuables. And the war chest is worth a lot of money, and Sid is looking to profit. And this job could set the Bad Batch up for life. Hunter is against it because he wants to stay off the Empire's radar, um, but the team um, persuades him to take the job anyways. And essentially by saying, hey, we could retire after this. We could go off the grid. No one would ever find us. But Echo wants to do more with that money. He wants to uh, help other clones who are under Imperial command. He doesn't want to just retire and hide. Um, So... 
that adds a little bit of friction, and we'll see where that takes us in the rest of the season. Uh, once again, I'll say this about every episode, but the animation style is fantastic. Um, Sereno hasn't really been explored in depth, like as a planet. We've seen Dooku's castle, and that's about it, and like the castle grounds. But um, the scenery was absolutely gorgeous, and everything's just done so very well. The Empire bombed Sereno into submission, much like um, a lot of other planets, especially Separatist planets that were still sort of um, militant and maybe a little had a little bit of resistance after the Clone Wars. And uh, a couple other things. V-Wings that are escorting these giant freighter ships, um, they sound a lot like TIE fighters, which I think was an interesting touch. just kind of adds to that feeling of the... Uh, transition from Republic to Empire. The uh, Imperial clones. This was interesting, and I, let me know if, if you think that I, I'm kind of crazy or if you notice this too. Their voice modulation sounds more like traditional stormtroopers. It has like a little more of a like more of a radio static sound to it. It's a little more muddled, while the Bad Batches is more clear. Um, I, it could be some sort of placebo, but it really feels like they're, they've like almost, it's like removed them from the, uh, their humanity in a way, which I think is a, a cool move on the, uh, the showrunner's part. We also got to see Dooku's throne room again, which was an awesome setting. And, uh, it was really cool to revisit that post Clone Wars. And another thing I'd like to point out, and this is the last thing, cause this episode didn't have too much to it, um, as far as like Easter eggs and things to point out was that, the Bad Batch only stuns clones. They don't actually shoot real rounds and kill them. Well, unless they're shooting down like planes or planes, ships and stuff, they they definitely kill people then. But like just like straight one-on-one firefight, they only use stun bolts, which I'm sure a lot of y'all noticed, but I think it's a cool little detail that they're not wanting to kill their brothers in arms, um, even though they're technically their enemies. Just a cool little detail. Um my review for episode one, Spoils of War, is that this episode didn't have much to it. It was decently one note with some fun callbacks uh, with things like Sereno. Um, I wish that there was more things to spot in the background of the war chest. Maybe there were, and I just didn't catch them. But I feel like they spread out our time amidst the team really well. Like I feel like we were focusing less on just Hunter and Omega and giving us more time with Echo, Tech, and Wrecker. I thought that was really awesome. Um... But yeah, no, I, I still enjoyed it. I like the direction that it's going in. It feels more um, established than it felt in the first season. That's why I say that I feel like it started off with a bang. I feel like it was it was more confident in itself and um, and what it was doing. I think that it's going in a very interesting direction, but like as far as the contents of the episode, it was a little one note, a little bland. Um, episode two, non-spoiler review. Uh, the stakes feel high as we continue to watch a daring mission on a breathtaking planet, and the show continues its trend of providing unique perspectives while setting a darker tone than the previous season. That's all that I can say about uh, episode two without giving too much away, so this is another spoiler warning. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Let's dive in. So I'm going to split this up into two parts. This episode also didn't have too much to it, but it was really interesting, and I want to touch on something. So... Tech, uh, Echo, and Omega's storyline. We meet Romar, who was a survivor of the Sereno bombardment. Uh, he provides insight into how Sereno suffered under Dooku's, ru- Dooku's rule and gives more perspective on 
people transitioning from resisting the Republic to resisting the Empire and how that transition sort of legitimized the fears of the separatists, um, that the Empire was getting too tyrannical and wasn't caring about fringe systems, was only caring about the elite. Um, and the war chest to people like Romar represents Dooku's greed and his domination of the planet and his disregard for his people's needs. And something really cool that Romar does is he gives Omega this kaleidoscope which shows Omega that monetary value isn't everything because a lot of what she has known has been like doing these uh, like these random jobs for Sid for money to stay alive. And that's like been her, like her mindset's like, okay, what, what's the monetary value? What can we get out of this? And Romar shows her with this kaleidoscope that sometimes things can just be beautiful for the sake of beauty and they don't have to have too much intrinsic value as long as they make you happy. So I just thought that that was kind of interesting. And it's an interesting, interesting perspective for someone who was sort of raised as a soldier. Um, Omega and Echo have a really cool dynamic in this episode. Um, Omega wants desperately to repay the debt she feels towards the team for essentially uprooting their lives on her behalf. And Echo reminds her that if it wasn't for her, they'd likely all be working for the Empire. So the choice that they made was very intentional and was also uh, very important for their well-being. And also, whenever Echo and Omega were trapped inside the shipping container and Tech had kind of stumbled out of Romar's hut with his broken leg to go and fight or to go and help, I thought that Tech was going to die. Like, I thought that that was what was getting set up. And I was like, dang, this is the second episode and they're already going to, but he obviously didn't end up dying. But, um... I thought that it was really cool because we got to see him as a competent operative rather than just the smart techie guy. And, I mean, he took down these regs with a Gatling gun. Um, and, like, he was able to, to take him down with a broken leg. I mean, come on. The dude's awesome. So, props to Tech. I thought that that was a cool moment, and I'm glad that that was added. Um, Hunter and Wrecker. The city ruins were a very cool setting. It was awesome to see old battle droids and Separatist tanks. And, uh to see Hunter or uh, Wrecker sort of improvise and use the old tank gun as like a bazooka, basically. That was pretty dope. And it was also nice to see Hunter and Wrecker in that sort of dynamic. I don't think we've gotten to see them one-on-one too much. So for that opportunity, it was pretty interesting because I feel like most of the one-on-ones that Hunter had in the first season were with uh, Omega. So to see them, because Wrecker's kind of comic relief almost, so to see them, once again, kind of like Tech, working as like legitimate operatives rather than just kind of being a bumbling oaf. I thought that that was a pretty cool touch. And it's like, there's a reason that these guys have the reputation that they do. Um, they're pretty formidable, even if their team is split up. So it was pretty cool. I, I enjoyed it. Um, lastly, I want to talk about Captain Wilco. Throughout the episode, he's shown to be a very efficient and effective leader. He had the team on the ropes. And then at the very end, he just gets shot point blank by Rampart after refusing to falsify a report about the Bad Batch still being alive. And Rampart's treachery wasn't necessarily surprising, but it was certainly very upsetting. You could see the conflict within Wilco. He was like, I I can't do that. I can't falsify a report. And then you see how confused and um, betrayed he feels whenever Rampart pulls the gun on him, and then you just see the, him fall to his death. I mean, he was thrown away like he was nothing. And that just shows how the Empire treats their clones is, I mean, they're disposable. They're nothing to them. 
And that's just really sad. And I hope that they play that out more throughout the season and see them keep pushing and pushing the clones. Because we know that the clones are real people. They're real feeling people. And to see them kind of push to that limit where they're just seen as disposable meat droids, I think that that bodes very well for the possibility that we get a clone uprising. And so hopefully, fingers crossed, that's the case. But you never know. They might, they might dangle it in front of us for another season. Um, my review for episode two. This episode was far more interesting than the first one. Still not too exciting or grand, but we got some cool insight into the team on a new personal level. Um, it focused on Tech and Echo with Omega, which was an interesting shift in the dynamic, and I'm just really excited to see where things go from here. Um, that's about all that I have to say about my review. Let's dive into visions. To continue, we need one singular vision. My vision. So this episode didn't give too much to theorize on, but I do have one prediction, and that is that Echo is going to die. Now, I have actually some reasoning behind this. I think that Echo will die saving other clones, other regs, because that seems to be his driving force in this season. Is like, okay, we need to help other people. There are others out there who need our help. And I'd like to go back to the Clone Wars, where Echo is the last living member of Domino Squad. And the sort of central trio of Domino Squad were Echo, Fives, and Heavy. Heavy is the first to die of those three. He died saving Echo, Fives, Rex, and Cody from the Separatists' uh, invasion of the Rishimun outpost. And he blows himself up to essentially cut off the signal and let the Republic know that that Camino And so, really, I just realized this. He did it on behalf of his clone brethren so that the people on Camino would know that there's an attack coming. Um, Fives was the next to die, even though we thought Echo had died. Fives was the next to die. He died trying to save all the clones from their inhibitor chips, saved them from um, getting turned against their Jedi generals with Order 66. He died before he could get that um, tr- truly bring that to fruition. So I think that in a poetic way, Echo will die trying to save his brothers from Imperial tyranny. And then that way, all three of them have some sort of heroic death on behalf of all of their clone brothers. I think that that would be really awesome. And I, I really hope that that's the case. But um, like I said, there's not too much else to theorize on, at least that I saw. I just want to say, I saw, I like, I rewatched the trailer for um, Bad Batch after I made the my episode about what to expect from the season. And then I saw Dooku's castle window in the background of one of the shots. I was like, shoot, I should have caught that. It had been a sex inside. Watch the trailer whenever I made my, uh, my breakdown. So that's on me. I wish that I had been able to catch that and tell y'all that we were going back to Sereno. But um, say la vie. That's on me. Um, that being said, I, I enjoyed these first two episodes. They're nothing too special, I wouldn't say. Nothing to write home about, but it's good to be back. Good to have content again. And, um, I mean, great to go back to Sereno right off the bat. That was awesome. And I just, man, I, I'm, I'm excited to go through this with y'all. I'm glad to be making episodes again. Once again, if you didn't listen to my last episode, thank you so much for being patient with me after I took kind of uh, an unintentional and unannounced hiatus for all of December. Um Thanks for sticking with me. 
And I can't wait to keep bringing content to y'all. So that being said, until next time, you've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the force be with you, and I'll see y'all in the next episode. Bye, friends.